This morning, I want to talk on that topic. I want to, I'm going to use a story in the Bible to help you in your daily life, in your walk as a believer. Uh, remember what we always say when we get gather here? I don't want to preach. I'm not into preaching. I'm here to teach. I want to teach you something that you can use outside in your workplace or wherever you are. If I, if I have to preach, and then I've got to tell you how full of sin you are the whole time, or I've got to tell you how wonderful you are all the, the whole time. But rather, let's just focus on Jesus when we, when we teach. So in this, I want to show you Jesus, even though I'm going to use the Old Testament story, to help you in an area that's very relevant for us as believers, especially when we just get born again. And even on our journey as we grow in our relationship with the Lord, that these things are things that we, we need to use and it will help you. So the, the main focus of this morning must be that whatever I say here, that you don't make those mistakes. And that you rather walk into less mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. We all make mistakes. But you walk in less mistakes than you, you need to or have to. Um, so that we can help you to see there's a better way of walking this out and understanding this. So like I said, a lot of us in the beginning, when we start in our journey as a believer, we might do things that's not right. We might perceive things in our way, which is maybe not the right way of doing it. Uh, and the problem is then we act on the way we think things should be, and we fall in trouble. Problems come along the way. So I want to show you this morning that there is a way out of making these mistakes and not falling for this pattern that we sometimes have then it's going good, then it's bad, then it's going good, then it's bad, then it's going good, then it's bad. We keep on falling into these patterns that we make mistakes and stuff. So I want to go this morning and I want to use Moses in Exodus as the example where we can do something wrong but when we come to the Lord, we can do it the right way. And we all know the story, but I'm going to use Exodus 2 as a backdrop to what I want to say. And when I was reading this, this Exodus 2 again for, for this teaching, um, man, I saw some amazing stuff there that I haven't seen before just by reading it. But if we go to this place in the Bible in Exodus 2, this is where Moses gets called to save the Israelites. So he's got a calling. Moses realized, I've got a calling on my life. You might sit here and think, I've got a calling on my life. I've got to do this for the Lord. It doesn't need to be in ministry, it can be anywhere. It can be in your workplace that you have to work according to what the Lord wants for finances or work in according to the place that you find people that want to follow the Lord, whatever the reason may be. But you feel you've got a calling. You might be called for the Lord one day to minister, especially the young people. So, like Moses here, he knew he had a calling. So he was excited, he had a calling. So, he was like us, we would say, born again, you know, ready to move. Let's, let's use it in our day. He was born again, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, ready to move. And he's got a calling. He knows he's got a calling. He heard, let's put it this way. He know from the Lord he's got a calling. Like you would know from the Lord, listen, you've got to do this or that. All right? So this is where Moses, Moses is here in Exodus 2. Uh, and like I said, bring it practical. Whatever I say of Moses, bring it to you. Use, use the example. Let's say you feel you've got a calling on your life, whether it's to take the Egyptians out of Egypt like Moses, or to take South Africa out of the ANC, or to take America from Joe Biden, whatever you think is your calling. Because Moses had a big one. He had to take a nation out of slavery. So you want to save the world from Russia, whatever you think is your calling. But he knew he had a calling to save this whole nation, Moses. So, here Moses walks in the streets one day, and he's got this calling on him. He sees his people are in, in dire straits. They need the Lord. They need salvation to come out of this Egypt. And you see guys arguing, 
uh, and they again arguing against his people, an Egyptian arguing with an Israelite, and maybe the argument got very heated, maybe they were going to start punching one another, fighting, but it must have been very heated for him to step in and come in and say, what's going on here, to act on that. I mean, it wasn't just a normal conversation. Moses wouldn't have just came in while two guys were talking. There was something going on here. I want you to realize his emotions were being pulled and drawn to this argument or fight that's going to happen. So he got there, he, he saw what's going on, and he starts beating the Egyptian. And the Egyptian dies. So why? Maybe Moses was a bit stronger than the Egyptian. I don't think his intentions were to kill the guy. I think his intention was to stop this guy from doing what he's doing, the two of them. And by punching the guy maybe too hard, the guy died. Because we sometimes think Moses punched him to kill him. I don't think that was his intention. It doesn't say that his intentions were to kill the guy. But the guy died because of what happened. So he beats this Egyptian to death. If I have to bring that to today, what would you think of today? You've got a calling. Remember, Moses had a calling here. You've got your calling that you feel. How will we do that today? What will you think is your calling? If you remember, this is in the beginning of your walk. Moses is in the beginning of his walk here. You're in the beginning of your walk and you feel you've got a calling. Maybe what will you do? Oh, maybe I must start a church one day. That might be your calling that you think you have. Um, what will you teach at the church? How to beat the Egyptian. That will be your 10 steps how to beat the Egyptian to death. Will you be your main focus on that thing? I hope you're getting what I'm saying. That's what we do today. Huh? We build churches on things that we see and follow me. I'm going to be the next Reinhard Bonnke. I'm going to show you. I'm going to be the next guy to chase out demons and come and learn from me. And you know, you're going to have your ministry. You think you've got a calling and you're going to do this thing. But here, you must understand there's a huge difference between a calling and an anointing. Have you ever thought of that? There's a massive difference between the two. When you have a calling and when you have the anointing for that calling. Do you understand? I'm going to explain it a bit more now as we go along. So here we see Moses had the calling. You're going to save the Israelites out of Egypt. And he was ready. I mean, he was so ready that he was so pumped up that he actually killed the guy because of what he carried. He knew, this is the people I'm against. These are the ones I'm for. And if they are against me... That was his flesh. Yes, it was his flesh. But he was acting on his calling. So, now, don't make the mistake to act on a calling... If the Lord hasn't given you the anointing for the calling. If he says now you're gonna your calling is A, he didn't say start doing A. He's preparing you for A. So that when you are when he tells you to do A, you will carry the anointing of that calling of A. Do you understand? There's a difference in walking that way. Here, in the beginning of Moses' story, he was not given the go-ahead to do this yet. He was told, this is what you're going to do, but he wasn't given the go-ahead to start doing it. And he did, like Vicky just said, in the flesh, he acted on his calling, not from the Lord. And what happened? He killed somebody. So, what's going to happen if you are very young in the ministry, and I'm going to start a church, and you just been saved for a year or two or three or four and you start your own church what are you going to do with the people in your church you're going to kill them spiritually because you're not carrying the anointing yet all right or they can just or you're just going to have a bunch of zombies sitting in your church just listening to you every sunday but they're not knowing don't know what you're saying they don't act on what you're saying they don't walk in what you're saying so he was supposed to help this nation to come out of egypt and he was supposed to take them on an exodus. Take them out. Alright, exodus, to take out. He had to save these Israelites from slavery, sin, whatever you, they are, 
you can, there's a lot of things they were in. But he had to save them, get them out, take them out of that exodus, take them out of whatever this thing they are stuck in, because they are screaming for help, the Israelites. All right, there's a time that they will start screaming and asking for help. Just note this, the Lord used a single person here to save a nation. One guy that he first called to do this. I'm not saying he's going to do that today because we've got the Holy Spirit today, but there's a reason he's using one person here in this story. There's one person to save the whole nation of Israel. Acts 7.22 Here it is Stephen speaking. You know Stephen as just before he got stoned to death he was giving an excellent teaching to these religious group of people. And we, we can read it here in Acts 7.22 He's explaining Moses to them because they knew Moses very well. They read from the Torah every week. Every Saturday and whenever the, they came together they read of the Torah. So He's quoting what they've been reading every day, but he's telling them something in this thing that they know by heart, verse for verse. He's telling them something. And here we read in Acts 7.22, Stephen speaking just before he got stoned. And he's saying, And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and was mighty in words and in deeds. So he's praising Moses here. Then, and when he was full 40 years, Note that. It came unto his heart to visit his brethren and children of Israel. So here he's getting this thing that he's got to go to his people. He's 40 years old. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him. You see? He didn't pick the fight. He defended this guy. He was not the one wanting to kill or have a fight or argument. He was acting... Like you would act, help somebody. He was helping here. And it wants him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. Mm. Do you see what I read there, the last word? Do you see that Moses acted on his own authority, on his own wisdom here? Because it says here, for he supposed his brethren would have understood how God his hand would be delivered but they understood not so he thought he assumed my people is ready for me I'm their savior because I have a calling he's got a calling he sees the problem, he acts on the problem, but the people don't see it that way, that he's doing it for. Yeah, he thought he was his saviour. I mean, let's make it personal. You also think that I'm going to teach this person. I'm going to teach this person to do A, B and C as a Christian. I'm going to get this person saved by doing ABC for this person. Um, I'm going to help this person to find the Lord. That's what Moses was doing, yeah? Sometimes we also think that we all did that when we just got saved. Tried to help somebody to get saved, haven't we? How many of them got saved? I can honestly tell you with mine, zero. Because <laughs> you cannot get them saved. You cannot save anybody by doing anything for them. We'll talk about that further. But I want you to realize Moses, what Moses that we still do today. We are so in love with the Lord. We get so excited with the Lord. We want to get people saved. And when I'm going to do A, B, and C for them, they're not going to get saved because of your A, B, and C. Even if you do it out of the best intention of your heart, they're not going to get saved. What does the Bible say? Who saves somebody? The Lord. If they are not wanting the Lord, in all their ways, they will not get saved by your actions. Your actions are not going to do anything. Your actions might actually drive them further away than bring them in. Because if the Lord's not on their heart, whatever you do will not help. But I don't want to go into that teaching now. Alright? But I want you to see it's happening here with Moses. Thousands of years ago, he tried the same thing here. He thought he was going to save them. 
I'm going to help them. I'm going to find them a way out of Egypt. He has ready for this. And I want you to realize, like I just said, Moses truly did this from a good place, a good heart. He wasn't trying to be malicious or evil or all about him. He was doing it from a good place. He truly wanted to help. But let's see what happens with this good heart of his that he truly wanted to help. I mean, let's be honest, when we did it, like me and some of you, when we tried to help somebody way back uh, when we were still young in the faith and we wanted to get them saved, because that's normally when you want to do these things, you did it from a good intention and a good heart. You were not trying to poison their thoughts or influence them. You wanted them to meet the Lord. You did it from a good place. But yeah, there will not be fruit in that when you do it that way. You will quickly realize this is not going to work. Actually, the biggest problem you have with somebody trying to get somebody to the faith is, as a baby, the baby falls away from the faith and follows the sinner. <laughs> that happens most of the time. I've seen it so many times. People try, somebody tries to bring somebody to the faith and then they fall away. And okay, they follow the person they were trying to bring in. Huh? Who tends to do that more than others? You ladies. Huh? Am I right? You ladies are, because you're emotional. Oh, I must help this person. And I'm going to do this A, B, C, D, E, for them. And it doesn't work. We as men normally don't do it that in that extreme and so many times. But you women, because of your emotions, what is the problem here? The emotions? No. You're applying it wrongly. You're not asking him. You're doing it out of a good heart, but you're not asking the, the source how to do this. Because you're acting on your emotions. So, here, old Moses are doing exactly the same thing. What happened with Moses here after he did this thing out of a good heart? He had to flee Egypt. They started hunting him down. He had to go to jail. He had to go to court. They were looking for him. They knew he killed a guy. So Moses had to flee this you, must, this you must get. Because his brothers, the Israelites, he's the people that he are called to save, did not acknowledge him as their saviour. They didn't want him. Do you realise it? Have you ever thought of it in that story? The Israelites that were slaves in poverty, they were not ready for Moses. We always thought just Moses, 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 but look at the other side of the coin. You can read that story, you will see they were also not ready. When he killed the guy, they said to him, we don't need you. Who are you? Are you going to come and fix everything with your fists? That's what his people are asking, his brothers are asking him. You want to get somebody saved maybe? And they're looking at you, they might not be saying it. But they're looking at you and saying, you save me? You help me? No, I'll just be nice with you, but no, it's not going to happen. Because that one is not ready. So, Moses quickly disappeared from Egypt. And it took God 40 years to get Moses on top of the mountain. Because remember, he's already 40 years old. And it took God another 40 years to get Moses on top of that mountain. We're going to talk about that mountain now. We sometimes make mistakes. And we have to choose. Do we run or do we stay in this mistake? Do we fix it? Do we, do we walk this out or do we run away? Most of us just run away. We don't want to fix stuff. We don't want to work through stuff. And we don't go anywhere. But Moses here fled and things started happening. Forty years later, Moses did go up the mountain. He did go up the mountain. The mountain of the Lord, the Bible says. He went up the mountain of the Lord in Exodus 3. So actually what happened in Exodus 3 is, 40 years later, Moses was under the rulership of the Lord. Forty years earlier, Moses was under the rulership of Moses. So what happened in that 40 years to poor old Moses when he fled? 
Think about it. He had to get rid of his Egyptian knowledge. Remember we read he was fully into the Egyptian stuff, full of wisdom, great deeds. He had to get rid of all his accomplishments. Like you sometimes need to get rid of all your accomplishments. Whatever you've achieved in life. That are keeping you from stepping into your calling. So he had to get rid of all the knowledge of Egypt. He had to lay down all his Egyptian needs. He had to lay down all his Egyptian culture that he was taught. Just like you and I need to lay down what, what we want, our wants and ambitions. It's not what is going to take you into the next thing. It's what he wants. So in that 40 years that Moses stepped into the desert, all he actually had out of his calling was the Lord. And I think he started in a good relationship with the Lord, learning what does the Lord want? How does the Lord look at things? He had a lot of time. Every day out there in the desert, in the field with the, with the animals, the sheep. I mean, 8 hours, 10 hours, 15 hours out there with the sheep sitting on a rock and the sheep are eating. You have a lot of time to think. That's why they're actually saying in today's culture why people are moving away from the Lord. Because we don't think anymore. Everything is given to us. Movies, social media. We, we, we are a generation that's not thinking anymore. We don't spend time pondering over life and over things because we are constantly entertained through stuff and because we don't think we don't look at things of the Lord outside but he had a lot of time he was out in the fields I mean if you look at sheep every day for 40 years they look kind of the same they eat kind of the same way you just protect them when, the, when something comes that wants to hurt them here Moses in this 40 years being in the desert Moses takes his animal the one day deep into the desert to this mountain This mountain is in the region of Midian It says in your Bible Midian Midian means judgment, habit See where he is Moses made a mistake Where does he go immediately? To the desert Where did Jesus go after he got Baptized into the desert. Where did the Israelites go when they threw, went through the Red Sea into the desert? You see, there's a pattern in your Bible. Every time the Lord wants you to move, but before you can move, where does the Lord take you? To the desert. Before Jesus had one word to speak about the Lord, he first went to the desert to get his anointing. That's why you need to go to the desert. That's why I tell everybody when they get baptized, you're going to go to the desert. Because who's going to be in the desert? We're going to read that now. Who's you, who are you going to find in the desert? So here he goes to this place, this mountain, in this area called Judgment. Alright? Moses goes to this area. I don't know if you've read the story. It was so amazing when I read it. And he went and he went and sat on a well in this place. And as he's sitting on this well, a couple of daughters with their flock of sheep and animals come to this well. And they ask to, they want the animals to drink from the well. Because it's a desert, that's the only place you're going to get water. Some other sheep herders came to the scene and started bugging the, the, the ladies, the, these, these, these girls. And, and Moses, being a true gentleman, he sorted out the problem. He got the herders to go away so these ladies' sheep could, could drink from the water. So he... He acted and he actually protected them from those bad guys that were causing problems. But in this thing, I want to see how the Lord works in mysterious ways. These daughters belonged to a priest. And he had how many daughters? Seven. He had seven daughters. These ones that meet Joseph on the well, there were seven of them there. And this priest whose daughters it is, he goes and asks the daughters, who helped you? Why are you back so early today? Because they were way earlier than normal. And they said, listen, this guy helped us with this, this, and this happened, and he helped us. And he said, wow, bring him here. And at the end of the day, this guy's a very nice guy. <laughs> he 
said to Moses, you can have one of my daughters. And Moses, being a gentleman, obviously says, yes, thank you. I will take one. Because it says there, Moses said, yes, I will take her. And he gave him Zipporah. Zipporah means attractive, beauty, trumpet. So Moses, I want to see what's happening here. Moses met seven daughters. What did we say seven means? Spiritual completeness, perfection, father's perfection, seven. So he's at this place, at this well, where what walks in? The perfection of the Lord comes to that place where he's sitting on this well. He married one of these. That his name means attractive beauty. See what he's meeting in the desert? That's what you will meet also in the desert when the Lord calls you to the desert. You must open your spiritual ears. You must hear what I'm saying. When the Lord calls you to the desert, don't fight in the desert with your problems. You're supposed to meet her there. Your soul needs that because she's female. She's your soul. Your soul needs to be cleansed, beautified, so that your soul can be a trumpet. When you speak, it's what the Lord's saying. That's what's happening here. I know it's a bit deeper. But you understand, because it's got to bring that perfection through. God's perfection. I want you to realize, when you go into the desert, when the Lord calls you into the desert, something difficult that you've got to work through, whether it's your workplace, your relationship, your children, whatever, finances, whatever the problem is, and the Lord wants to help you with that problem, He will call you to the desert. And where do you have to go into this desert? To a well. What is the well? The Holy Spirit. Water. It feeds you. You have to go to the well. When you go to the well, to the Holy Spirit, that's going to help you in the desert, He will help you so that that will happen with you. And then the Lord can start working with you. You know that you don't carry the anointing yet. Now you're only ready to be tuned according to what He wants when you do that. Now Moses was slowly going into the depth of the Lord on these 40 years journey that he's going in. Then that day comes where he's taking his sheep to the mountain and the mountain is called Herob, the mountain of the Lord. Herob means solitude, desert, desolate. Look where he's going. So this is a couple of years later than we just read earlier. I think it's like 40 years later. He decides 40 years later to take his animals to this mountain, Herob. But look what he's going to encounter that mountain. What does it mean? That's why he's going to that mountain. That's why the Lord is sending him to the mountain without him knowing why he's going to that mountain. So now after his soul is beautiful, because he met Zipporah, and he's in a marriage with her, they had, I think, two children, if I'm correct. He goes to the heart of the desert, to this mountain, this place of solitude, and guess what he finds there on this day, 40 years later. He steps into this desert and something pulls his attention while he's walking. He sees a bush burning. Which he's probably seen before. Because it's a desert, it gets extremely warm there. The dry bushes sometimes catch fire. But what caught his attention, says the Bible, not the burning bush. Because this bush has not been burned out. That's catching his attention. Why is this bush staying the same way and it's burning? He's looking at that and seeing there's something weird going on here. So, also note, it says in your Bible, he was caught off guard when this happened. You're also going to be called off guard in the desert when the Lord pitches, comes to the scene. You're not going to be ready for it. You're going to expect it. It's going to happen supernaturally when he comes in your desert experience to meet you. If you plan it, it's you. It's not him. When he comes to meet you in the desert, you will not be ready for it. Now think of it this way, what I've said now. You will not know when this encounter happens in the desert when the Lord comes to meet you in the burning bush. In whatever way he's going to come and meet you. But do you know this is 40 years later than I just said about when he started this journey with Zipporah, the soul being cleansed, your soul, which is our sinful side being cleansed with the Holy Spirit, the water. He could only go to the mountain. He could only see the Lord in the burning bush because he allowed the Lord to cleanse him for 40 years. 
He didn't get this in the beginning when he met the ladies and got married. He had to go on a journey. That is not a lekker journey, Danny. It's warm there. And Egypt is a pot, Danny. He didn't have Egyptian food there and the lifestyle he had in Egypt. It was hard. He was out. I think he had a good tan being in the sun every day. Wasn't a, a lifestyle that he enjoyed, I didn't think so. But because he went through it, he persevered through this 40 years, bam, something supernatural happens. And he meets the Lord. So this bush is burning, it's not being consumed by the fire. And then the Bible says something important. Exodus 3.3 3. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush is not burnt? In the other translation, to understand it maybe a bit better, this is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go and see it. Do you see something there? He's seeing something supernatural. He's having an encounter with the Lord. But do you see the Lord is not coming to him? The encounter is there. The Lord's there. What must Moses do? Go. He must go to the bush. The bush is not coming to him. But we think, no, the bush must come to me. The Lord must come to me and tell me this and that. No, he will show you he's here. You need to go to him to see what he wants. Because when you do that, the supernatural goes even further. So Father's waiting for you to engage with him in the desert. You see what you meet in the desert when you have a problem? Whether it's your work, your family, your spouse, your finances. If you go to the desert, you allow him to cleanse you, you will meet the Lord. But then you need to step into that thing that he's giving you there, that encounter. You have to step into it and then he will open up why he's there to meet you in the desert. So Moses comes close to this burning bush and the Lord says to him, take off your shoes. As he comes close to this bush, the Lord says, take off your shoes. What is God saying to him? Take off that piece of clothing that is shoes in this case because I'm going to clothe you with what I have now. Take off that thing, your plan, that fleshly thing that stands between you and me. Because if you have shoes on, it separates me from the ground. So if he takes off his shoes, he's standing physically on the sand where the Lord's presence is. The Lord said, take off your shoes. So take, get rid of that thing that's standing between you and me in what you're walking. You understand this, what he's saying there? He's not just saying take off your shoes because his shoes was filthy. He was saying to them, I want to give you what I have now, but let's first get rid of this this man-made thing, it's in the way when I speak. I don't want man's things in it. Get rid of it. God wants to give him his vision now. But before he can give him his vision, man's stuff must be out of the way. And he had to take off his shoes. And Moses is all of a sudden ready when he takes off his shoes to have a face-to-face encounter with the Lord. Remember we said earlier, when is it face-to-face? When you're at a certain place of maturity. When you've been taught some stuff. And he was ready to to listen to the Lord face to face. Have an encounter. And only now, after this 40 years, God can unveil himself to Moses. Only now, 40 years later, at age 80, Moses is ready for the work of the Lord. What the Lord wants to do. Why? Because he had a face-to-face encounter. You know I've done a teaching on you must have a face-in-face encounter with the Lord. Otherwise you're going to struggle to grow. But where did he have this face-to-face encounter? Where did he have this engagement with the Lord? Up the mountain. And here Moses, here the Lord saying that I want you to help my people. I want you to save them. Do you see when the Lord starts giving him all these things that he wants to do? It is the Lord's things and not Moses' things anymore. It's God's plan, not Moses' plan. God's way, not Moses' way. When you make the mistake, you will quickly realize you're busy with your way, 
not God's way, when you try to do all these things that we spoke of earlier, still coming from a good place, nothing wrong, it's just not the time for that yet. Note this, not only was God getting Moses in a place to use him, because remember Moses had to go through a 40 year period before he could get used by the Lord. So we always focus that Moses was going through this stuff so that the Lord can use him. But you also notice that it took the Lord 40 years to get the Israelites ready to be saved. Because remember, 40 years back, they didn't listen to Moses. They wanted to know who are you. So you want to save somebody in the beginning or you want to help somebody here, you want to do this or that, but it's not the time for that person yet because they're not at the place to understand what you're doing. The Lord must still work with them because here the Lord worked for 40 years with the Israelites in Egypt being slaves. Did they like it in that 40 years being slaves? No. But were they ready to be saved? No. They were not. Because when God came here to Moses, God says, I heard their call. And I'm going to act on that now. Did they call that much in the beginning? Nope. They were not ready to be saved yet, the Israelites. 40 years ago, they were not ready, but only now. So let's make it practical. Where is there a better nation that needs the Lord than South Africa? Huh? Oh Lord, come and help us. Get us, save us Lord, save us from A, B and C. And there's a lot of bad things going on in this country. Evil. And we are crying, oh Lord, the Lord must help us. Man, we are just like the Israelites 40 years back. We're moaning and groaning, but we're not seeking the Lord. We are doing all the religious stuff, but we're not seeking the Lord. Exactly what the Israelites did. How long did it take the Israelites to finally get saved? 40 years. So we want to take, let's make it South African style. 1994, and everything was open, and the ANC came into government. So when, when was the Lord then come and help us in 2034? Is that 40 years later? If you want to look in the flesh at a thing, huh? if you want to read your Bible in the flesh, then the Lord must come and help the South Africa Everybody in South Africa to get free from whatever we have a problem with in the, the, the year 2034. Huh? Want to be one of those guys prophesying this stuff and see how that's going to work. <laughs> because it's funny how we think of things these days. But why can the Lord not come? Why didn't the Lord come to the Israelites in the beginning of the 40 years? Because the Israelites were still functioning according to what they want, their culture, their needs, their religion, their way of doing ABC, happy with whatever, even though they're getting killed and are not having a good time being a slave, they still stayed slaves because the food of Egypt was nice. Because remember, they will moan about that later in the story. We're not going to go there. They would say, oh, it was so nice, the food in Egypt. So they're willing to suffer because the food's so nice. Isn't that what's going on in this country? And it's not in just countries, it's everywhere in the world. Things are going bad at the moment. But we don't complain too much because the food is still good here. We still have a job, we still have an income, so I'm not going to complain that much. But man, the, the South Africa is bad. Exactly where the Israelites was. And guess what the Lord did with those Israelites? He made them wait 40 years. Before we helped them. Today we think, ah, oh, what can help? We're going to go to the flesh, politics. You know, get somebody appointed that can help us in the politics. Huh? Who's there? Who's the one people are all thinking of? What name? Steve Wolfmeyer. Huh? Ah, he must save South Africa. Huh? <laughs> Guns. Let's fight. Let's, let's take arms. That's going to work. Let's take arms. Let's fight. No, you need the Lord. He will do it then for you. And you don't have to fight that way. Because remember the Israelites walked out there with 40 years of back wages when the Lord did it. If they had to fight, take up arms against the Egyptians, I think more than half of all of them would have been killed. Because they didn't have the weapons that they, those Egyptian armies were the biggest nation of the time. They would have lost that army because of the numbers. But in South Africa, we've got this mentality, I don't need anything. We need to get out of this, whatever's going on here.
But I don't need anything. We've got that mentality. I've got my church, eh? I've got my church and I'm fine. Don't worry. But we don't want anything to do with a relationship with the Lord. Eh? We're just happy with my church and my thing, what I believe in my culture. But we don't want the Lord, the Lord in your culture. So what is the problem in South Africa? South Africa people are not seeking the Lord's presence. They're still busy with their own plans. We are Israelites. We're waiting for the 40 years. It took 40 years to even get Egypt at a place to be punished. Have you thought of that? Now let's go to the other side. We just spoke about the Israelites. It took Egypt 40 years to get to a place where the Lord can punish them. In case you haven't thought of that one. Eh? You see the Lord works on all, all sides. Not just the one you think. You were only focusing on Moses and he's going to save them in that story. But there's a lot going on here that the Lord is doing. So the ANC must also get saved. Through punishment or whatever the way may be. Or what government you think is bad in what country. Or the DA or whatever political group you've. It's not going to help. I mean, here yeah, they saw 40 years earlier this guy standing up for their nation and they didn't follow him. They didn't follow him at all. But now, on this mountain, Moses gets a very important mission. Moses asks, Who's, what must I say? Who's sending me to go now? Because Moses knows, if I step into that place now, are they going to accept me now? Because they rejected me 40 years ago. Why are they going to accept me now if I go back? So he's asking a very important question. Who is sending me? And God says, in Exodus 3:14, And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. And God said unto Moses, I am. We spoke about this before. I am is not a complete sentence. It's the beginning of a sentence to say what you are. Alright, I am, and I am this, and I am that. But he doesn't say it, he just says, I am, that I am. A couple of thousand years later, Jesus comes to the scene. And Jesus says the following. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Because he's God in flesh. He's, con he's completing the sentence that Moses heard in the desert. I am what? He says, I am the bread of life. Then spoke Jesus again in them, saying, I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. That I am in your Bible is not there to make the sentence I am. That is saying God, Elohim. The same, that I am is the same I am that is written in Genesis 3. God speaking. And that's why when they heard it, when he said that, they didn't hear the sentence like, I am Vanner. They heard Vanner saying he's God. Because they knew the way he was saying it, he's saying he's God in the flesh. The same God that their forefathers met in the burning bush, in the desert. That's why they got offended when Jesus said this. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. Seven times Jesus said that. You see, it's in one book in the Bible, the book of John. You see how Jesus made a point when he was speaking about this thing? He was pushing this agenda of his onto these Pharisees to make them know he is the I am. Because you read it all in one book in your Bible, in John. Because he's busy saying something to these people, and there's seven I am's there. God's perfection. Because he is perfection. So Jesus is making sure that whatever God said to their forefathers in the desert, He's coming to fulfill that now. He's bringing that into fulfillment. So, think of it this way. The I Am of the Old Testament, the burning bush, in the New Testament becomes a person, not a bush anymore that's burning. So actually, if you look at Jesus, wherever He walked, He was the burning bush. Father's presence, his voice, because God spoke from that bush. 
but it became a person. It's not a thing anymore. Because have you noticed in the New Testament, there is not a lot of, there's no things happening to things. It's a person doing it. Jesus. He's not using the clouds anymore that much. When, when Jesus is walking, he works through Jesus most of the time. He doesn't use a, a rock to bring water that much. He's more working through a person than, than any of the other times. These things is available for us in the beginning. But we make some mistakes in the beginning when we start to get saved. And, and I've listed them here. I said, don't be in a hurry in the beginning when you get saved to grow. Take your time. It took Moses 40 years. Don't be in a hurry to step into ministry, the young people. Don't be in a hurry because you're going to kill people on your way then. Wait like Moses. Take your time. I don't think you all have to go to the desert that long. But yeah, don't make the mistake Moses made. Don't make the mistake to teach people your way of doing things. Don't make the mistake to just start making disciples because you might not be ready yet. Don't make the mistake to save people who are not ready to be saved. And don't make the mistake to grow too fast. Be happy where you are and grow out of that. I said you wait on him to take you into the desert and in the desert you will meet the great I am at the burning bush. And when you meet him there, he will give you his plan. In the desert, me, myself and I must die. That's what needs to die in the desert. So if the me, myself, and I die, it gives way to the I am to come into your life. But we first need to get rid of me, myself, and I. But I'm telling you now, if you start functioning according to the, me, to the I am, you will have way less problems than listening to me, myself, and I. I said here, don't run after a calling Wait till God anoints you for His calling. Don't be in a hurry to get what the Lord has got for you. You will get there. If you're following, He will take you there. You don't have to take shortcuts because what happens with a shortcut like Moses that it became a freaking long way. Huh? He thought he was going to make a shortcut going in now. And then it took him 40 years later to come in. So don't make those mistakes in your life. And everything we do you might have the calling, but wait, because the Lord needs to get you ready for that calling. He needs to anoint you in Afrikaans and with yourself for what you had stopped. Today we have so many people standing that feel they were called, but they were not anointed. Don't make the same mistake as Moses did and that we're seeing all over the world. Be patient. Go to that place. Go to the well. You must go to the well so that your soul can get to a place where it can be worked on, cleansed. Because when you let your soul, allow your soul to be cleansed, your sinful ways, you will meet the great I Am. And He will show you in your life how you must do your work, how you must run your business, how you must be with your spouse, how you must get rid of all this, but you before you can get there, you need to die in the desert. And it took Moses 40 years. And remember, he was not sinful in the beginning. He was doing it out of a good heart. So don't make the same mistake. We have the Holy Spirit with us. Do you realize there's a pattern in that story that happens in the New Testament? I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm not going to talk about it now. Here Jesus walks and he goes and sits on a well. Do you know that story? Who comes to meet him at the well? A woman. And he tells her, how many times have you been married? She said, five times. And he says, yes. And you're staying with your sixth boyfriend now. You've been married five times. You're staying now with your sixth boyfriend. And who's sitting on the well? The seventh one. Her husband. Spiritually. Do you realize Jesus did that because of what Moses went through? He, he 
took that pattern of Moses and he did the same thing when he came to the earth. And guess what? When Moses was sitting on the well, what was their conversation about? We need water for our sheep and our animals. And yeah, when Jesus sits on the well, he says to them, if you drink from me, you will never thirst again. The same conversation is being held about the water, about the Holy Spirit. You see how beautiful your Bible is? How these things are all intertwined? So guys, go find that well. Don't find a way out of the desert. Go find the well in the desert. Because at the well, the Lord can only start working with you. So when He's finished with you, He will show you the way out at the burning bush. And then you can walk in what you need to walk. So apply this and you will have way less problems in your walk. You will take all that guilt off you to save people. Or to do this right, to do that right. And you can walk in peace knowing He's teaching you. Because you have a calling. I mean the number one calling we all share is manifesting Christ. The Bible says. But on top of that, even your personal calling that He's got for you. But you can only walk in that once you went into the desert, sat on the well, waited for a while to be taught, and then you will meet the I Am. So that one day when you met the I Am, and you walk outside in the streets and in the town and at your workplace, you will also show the people in your workplace who's the way, who's the door, who's the life. They don't look at you, they see the one you're pointing to. That's the reason you do that. But you have to go to the desert. So I hope this helps you to understand stuff maybe better in your life, or what you might be struggling with, or what you might be thinking, or somebody else. But this is a very important thing to remember, because if you apply this to your life, you're still going to go to the desert, but you will know what you're doing there. And you will be patient to wait for the I am, the bush that burns, that this is going to be something supernatural when the Lord visits, that's when He's coming to visit you in the desert. It will be something that you're not ready for, don't have an idea how it's going to look, but it will come. All right. Thanks for watching. Please subscribe to our channel and make sure to click the bell notification button to get any notifications when we upload a new video. Stay blessed.